You're listening to the Label Machine series, a podcast to inspire and help indie record labels and artists to build income streams for their music. I'm Nick Sadler, a music entrepreneur that has helped start and run multiple indie record labels. In this series, I'll be speaking with music industry leaders about their experience and the lessons they learn on how they both market and grow their music income. Welcome to the Label Machine series, where we discuss with our guests how artists and record labels sell music. Today's guest is Benji Stein. Benji is a creative director and the founder of Playlist Supply, a online platform that offers state-of-the-art research to help managers and artists find the best playlists for their music. He's worked at some of the respected music companies in the industry, such as Red Light Management and Rock Nation, and has a wide range of talents as both a designer and manager making him a true multi-hyphenate in the music industry. Benji, how are you today? I'm I'm doing great. Thank you for that introduction. I was I'm I appreciate it. I'm uh, I'm grateful for all the kind words and the the accuracy and yeah, I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Uh and where are you calling in from? Um I'm calling in from um Los Angeles. Um I live in the Valley um, Encino to be exact, kind of by Lake Baboa. Um, right now, the company's kind of working out of here too. And so, yeah, that's, that's where I'm coming from. Awesome. So you were born and now you're here talking to me. Tell me what happened in between. (laughs) So, um, I actually grew up not too far, um, from where I'm at right now. Um, I grew up in Van Nuys, um, which is just kind of like a little bit, a few miles away from where I am now, deeper into the valley. Um, and yeah, I, um, I I was born and raised out here. I went to school out here. Um, and so, I don't know, I'd, I'd always kind of been um, surrounded by the, the, you know, the LA kind of music scene. Um, in high school, I was going, I was going to low end and like sneaking in back when they had, had the pass um, where you could get into low end for five bucks. And then I like, you know, a few years later it became 10 bucks. And so, I remember seeing, you know, Flying Lotus before he had blown up and, you know, all um, all kinds of like really, really, really cool L.A. artists. And um, yeah, I remember when Good Kid Mad City came out and like driving to high school and like listening to that. And so um, very kind of typical L.A. Valley, uh, you know, music listener um, type type upbringing. And I think um, when I really started kind of getting involved in music in a more serious way, um, was I had a couple friends who were kind of starting to try and, you know, start their music careers. One was a, a producer uh, making kind of really interesting Mr. Carmack style beats. And he was also doing, um, he was also tracking rappers. And the, another friend of mine um, was kind of a singer songwriter and a rapper. And both of them, um, you know, were kind of trying to get their music out there. And at the time I was like, I was like one of the people in my friend group that was like first to Reddit, first to Instagram. And so I really understood social media. And I was like, you know, I'll, I'll start by helping you guys with the social media stuff. Um, and, you know, that's that's like kind of a I didn't know what a music manager was. I didn't know anything about the music business. Um, it started out as just helping a couple friends. And, you know, you start figuring out what the distribution platforms are and you start looking into, OK, um, what mu- where are these like. Tumblr blogs at the time, Tumblr was really popular for some music kind of going viral. Um, and yeah, and that, that was kind of the start of it all. And that kind of, um, in college grew into me starting like a little bit of an independent record label. 
um, where I was managing releases and and kind of just actually managing like a small roster of artists. And um, yeah, that that was kind of like like I, I in college, I, I studied graphic design and I studied marketing, but there was nothing that I really felt passionate about putting those skills towards that wasn't music. I always felt like, at least in my life, music was some of the most influential artwork. Like there was times when I, like my first, um, one of the first concerts I went to um, was a Def Leppard concert my parents took me to. And I just like, it left such a lasting imprint on me. Like, you know, my my dad took me like right to the front row and I was, you know, and, and that was like, that was just like first crazy concert rock and roll experience. And then I remember, you know, I remember falling really deep into black hippie and all of the LA hip hop music. And I remember in college during like the early angsty kind of period, I remember music kind of getting me through this like weird, you know, youthful period where you don't know what life is going to be like. And the only thing I needed was my headphones. And I was like, all right, the world could end and I'll be okay. And so when I, when I was like studying marketing and I was studying kind of like the, the, the way the digital marketing is opening up and graphic design, the only thing I wanted to do was put that towards working with musicians and trying to get my friend's music out there. And yeah, that kind of uh, took a little bit more of like an official, um, an official path when a couple of the artists that I was working with that initial producer started to be become pretty successful. And I also kind of like, I, you know, I took some of this small, like, like indie um, roster and some of the stuff that I'd started and I'd leveraged it into getting me my first internship, which was at red light management. Um, and then after that, I ended up working with, you know, a whole bunch of different labels doing like, you know, as a part of marketing teams. And yeah. I worked at rock nation under Shira Davis for a little bit. She's kind of like a, she's kind of like an executive producer and she handles a lot of the tour documentaries. And I was doing like graphic design for pitch decks and I was just helping her do logistics stuff. And you know, that kind of thing was like one of those jobs where you just kind of like, you just, that was how I started to see how the cogs behind everyone's favorite music works and how these things get planned. And um, yeah, more recently, um, I've worked with a, a whole bunch of really cool artists. I, I manage a, a singer, songwriter, producer. I manage an indie rock band um, that's doing really cool stuff right now. They just signed to Fat Possum Luminelle. Um, and yeah, they, you know, they started playing music like a year ago. Um, I like went really crazy with the marketing and, you know, they're doing, they're on, they're about to do their first UK Europe tour. They've, they're on billboard, they're on pitchfork. And um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, all the stuff I was doing before kind of just evolved as the industry evolved and I learned a bit more and um, yeah. And, and that kind of came to playlist supply, um, which is my most recent project, probably um, the project that's growing the fastest. And, you know, I had a lot of experience working my way, kind of into a, a position where I was working with artists of a higher tier and, you know, working with managers that are kind of managing these big acts. And I got to see from, from the, the back end how the whole playlisting thing is kind of, uh, it's kind of a gray area where artists, especially indie artists, get taken advantage of. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a crazy world out there with Spotify having such a monopoly on the entire streaming world. And then all of, you know, Spotify's real resources being leveraged directly by big record labels that have huge budgets. It kind of just evaporates any opportunity for indie artists. And it's crazy how dependent uh, numbers are. And that's another thing that, you know, playlisting kind of became really important initially because people were trying to drive numbers up. And, you know, that that A&R instinct um, that I like kind of learned about when I first got my my 
cut my teeth in music is completely gone. It's like people want to see your Spotify monthly listeners and they want to have tested appeal before they they invest in an artist, kind of like a stock. And these labels are only looking for safe investment. And so, you know, if you're a new artist trying to break it and, uh, you know, it's it's real easy to get wrapped up into some playlist company that's going to give you some streams, that's going to make you feel like you have a better like ch- chance at making it. And so it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Things have gotten more accessible. And with that accessibility comes more saturation. But it's like people, you know, start a band or they put a song on DistroKid or SoundCloud and they don't always know what they're up against. <laughs> mm. And uh, yeah, I, I kind of came from indie management and the indie artist world and then bridged into, uh, into the more official, like, quote unquote, music industry. And um, I'm like, I'm like still like an indie manager at heart. I like. I like management because it's something where I can walk into a, a label and I can still make sure the artist gets what they need. I'm not like, I'm not on the, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm on like the label side. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, totally. uh, yeah. I'd have to say as well, being able, being a, a, like a talented graphic designer, is such an asset to have in a manager. Such, you, you either want your manager to be a lawyer or a designer. <laughs> exactly. Those are, those are the two like, like, I can't tell you how many times there was some creative asset or, you know, the album artwork was the wrong size. And it's like, okay, yeah. I've been using Photoshop for 10 years. This is going to take me one minute. Or I could hit up the graphic designer, get two days turnaround and cut a hundred bucks, a thousand bucks. It's like. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. we just need it. We, the, tour, uh, the design of the tour post is fallen through. We need something by tomorrow. Okay. I guess I'll cancel my plans tonight. <laughs> exactly. No, it's um with merch like the merch file thing is is always super difficult if uh mm. if someone doesn't know how to prepare the files for merch and it's just like i can't tell you it's countless times it's been a, uh it's been a lifesaver and it's also an incentive for for people to work with me in particular um yeah i've directed music videos i can i can play multiple roles which saves money and that's uh yeah that's exactly so um switching over to to the playlist supply and, and Spotify playlist, can you give us a rundown of what your main activities are at playlist supply? Yeah, absolutely. And so I was kind of just touching on it at the end before, but basically playlist supply started. Um, I was working. Um, I was like working as a part of a management team for a couple larger acts. Um, and I was helping them more specifically with marketing. And we were doing a, we were doing a ton of playlisting. And, you know, we were, I was not happy with the results we were getting. And something we were doing internally was we had people on our team kind of doing what Playlist Supply does, but manually. And what that is, is it goes onto Spotify. It looks in the description of public playlists and it looks if there's a contact information like an email or an Instagram handle or a Twitter handle. And I, I had a couple people who would work on this for a few hours a day. And we'd get a handful of playlist contact information. And, you know, when COVID hit and the pandemic kind of really settled in, um, all of the artists I was working with had their shows canceled. It looked like the music industry was about to, you know, collapse. It was, it was like, it was seeming really dark. And so at that time, this manager, this label, all the people I'm working with are like, we need to go harder on digital. How do we lay in on streaming? How do we like take streaming to the next level? Because touring is indefinitely canceled. And so I was thinking, okay, we have this system we've been doing that's working. Um, what if we try automate it? And so I have a, a really close friend of mine who's my co-founder for 
Playlist Fly, and he's a, a big booking agent in Europe for mostly techno and electronic acts. And he manages a couple acts too. And he was having the same thing. He was like, this whole genre is dependent on shows. I need a way to grow their streams when they're doing no shows. And we, we found a couple coders on freelancer.com. I basically just explained to them the system that my team was doing. And within a few weeks, we had like a workable software on my computer. And at first, I just kind of gave it out to a few of my friends who are big managers, some people at Maverick, some people at Create, and all kinds of people to get like beta test information. And all the feedback we got was like, this is next level. You got to make this available to more people. You got to make this available to indie artists. Um, and yeah, that's basically what we did. We made the software like an online search tool. And the way it works is anyone can sign up. It's $20 a month and you get access to like Google or Bing, but exclusively for Spotify playlists. And now what previously would take my team a few hours, you can go into Playlist Supply. You can type in, you know, cloud rap or uh, yeet or some, you know, some new trend or some new kind of genre. And you'll get hundreds of playlist contacts in just like a few seconds. It's, it's like lightning fast. And so you can spend more time emailing curators, doing outreach, and less time trying to hunt down who these people are, what playlists they have, and yeah, that kind of thing. Gotcha. I mean, so I get my next question, and I think I know the answer now, is how do you keep the playlist database up to date? But so correct me if I'm wrong, you don't actually, it's not actually someone manually or a machine copying onto a spreadsheet you've access to, it's actually pulling it from Spotify, is that right? Exactly. So um, a lot of the existing like playlisting services and companies, they would use like a like a, a, a list that they had from before or a list of people they know. And the difference between most of those and Playlist Supply is that Playlist Supply is a real time search engine. If we make a playlist right now and it's, you know, and it's called like, you know, Supreme Rock and Roll. Um, after that playlist is made, songs are added. It's had time to, you know be indexed into into the into Spotify, it'll show up next day, next hour, whenever it gets published on Playlist Supply. And so um, that allows us to, you know, we don't have like a database or a finite number of playlists that we update. Every time you run a search, you get fresh results. It's like, it's literally a real time search engine for Spotify playlists. And that's really cool because you can do things that are super current. You can work with old songs. Um, yeah, like, like, um, if there's a TikTok trend that's going up, you can catch a list, all the playlists, curator lists to get updated. And it's also just you can cast a wider net. Some of the record labels that use playlist supply, they're coming on with huge budgets and they can export, you know, thousands of playlists and they can they can reach out to thousands of playlists using email software like GMAS or MailChimp. And um, yeah, there's there's a whole bunch of ways to use it. But yeah, it's basically it's a real time search engine. That's amazing. I, do you know what? I don't know if you need to update your homepage, but I think that should be front and center as your kind of USB because I wasn't actually aware of that, that it's it's actually real-time pulling because that's, yeah, that's amazing. That's, that's incredible. You've built that and makes so much more sense because you know you're not, you know it's it's fresh and relevant. Um, so what, when, you know, it is pulling this information and it, it does need, I guess, to be public. Like what kind of information is being pulled from there? Like if I was to use the software, what kind of stuff can I expect? So it pulls basically all of the public data points, everything you can see when normally looking at a playlist. And then it also pulls some kind of metadata uh, details that are really interesting. Um, if you run a typical search on playlist supply, 
you're going to get the follower count, which is one that, you know, that's like a common one. People want to see the playlist with the most followers or mm -hmm. they want to sort by how many followers. And we've also got popularity. That's a, a data point that's not like super publicly available. It's kind of a metadata point. Spotify shows this on desktop with like a little, like a little meter. But basically what popularity is, is it's like a, um, it's like a average of all the songs in the playlist and Spotify assigns a score to each song on how it's doing popularity wise listens, you know, playlists. And so a playlist that has a high popularity score is going to be, you know, say it has a really high one could be all really big songs, really successful songs. If it has a really low one, it might be a playlist that's filled with songs that, you know, no one's heard of or haven't got a lot of streams. And that's a really cool one because that's a data point that allows users to kind of filter and go through and determine if playlists are quality or not. There's a couple other data points. Um, there's last modified, which is when a, the playlist was last changed, a song added. Um, there is various contact data points. If it finds an email or a social media handle like Instagram or Twitter, it'll show those. Um, it also brings the description right into the tool. Um, yeah, those are, those are it, it has a link to the, the profile of the playlist owner in case you want to see if they have other playlists. And there's another really cool feature that we just implemented where basically what you can do is there's now a checkbox next to every playlist and you can select playlists that you say you want to save for future. And you can cl click them, you click save to database and you have your own database where you'll see changes. It'll show a little red arrow or a little green arrow. Say the playlist went up a hundred followers last week. When you go to your database where you saved your playlist, you'll be able to see, okay, this playlist is increasing in popularity or increasing in following or decreasing. And so this is really cool because, you know, there's playlists that they fluctuate followers in crazy amounts. And that's an easy way to tell if a playlist isn't legit. And there's no real way to track, okay, how do I see the exact followers going up and down? And with Playlist Supply, you can kind of monitor and do your own vetting and it's there's a lot of built-in ways to take the data and determine whether or not these playlists are like ones you want to reach out to or ones you don't. Yeah, that's very, very cool. So I'm a, I'm a label owner, so going through a hypothetical situation. I'm a label owner. Um, I have a release from a folk, a folk style singer-songwriter. Um, I've used the platform. I've found 20 ideal playlists. What's the next step? Yeah, so the next step, um, and this is one that we offer like a lot of resources on, but the next step is kind of up to the artist and it's kind of up to the label and the manager. And that outreach process, it's like it's like doing a press campaign or it's like, you know, it's doing it's like doing official outreach in any other in any other format. You wanna bring the playlist curator into your world. You wanna be like, here's some unreleased stuff, here's my latest music video, here's a little bit about here's where I come from. You want to you want to try and pitch your story in the same way you would pitch it to a blog or to, you know, any kind of any kind of coverage. And you want these people to not just see it as like a quick transactional, like put my song in your playlist. Um, you're going to want to reach out and kind of explain why these people should kind of invest in, in you and why, you know, you're the next big thing. And that's kind of like the approach that most of the kind of more official label people will take. Um, there's also other approaches because the tool can go just for social media information you could do a playlist supply campaign where you're just DMing people. And, you know, Instagram DMs, for example, are really cool because so you can DM someone. They're, you know, people are more likely to respond to a DM right away than an email. Yeah. 
and they can also kind of like, you know, stalk your artist profile and they can kind of share about before they even talk to you. And that's like a really powerful tool. And, you know, for a lot of artists that put a lot of quality content into their social media, this person might check you out and be like, oh, this is so cool. I'm like, I don't even need to talk to them anymore to add it. And so Instagram's cool in that kind of way. But um, to get back to your question, I would basically, you know, think about the best way to form a pitch and just get to emailing them, get to DMing them, get to outreaching to the playlist. Yeah, gotcha. Um, and yeah, and, and you're saying as well, there's, there's resources that kind of cover that off on your website as well, which is good to know. Um, exactly. And I, I'm, not, I'm pretty sure it doesn't, but it doesn't include numbers, does it? You couldn't text anybody. No. Um, right now, it doesn't include numbers. Um, I'm not. Yeah, I, I honestly, I've done a lot of time looking through Spotify playlists, and I haven't seen too many people put their cell phone number. Um, no, yeah, um, but we are looking into <laughs> we are looking into features that like do that make things um, a little bit easier if you're trying to hunt someone down who didn't put like a contact information. Um, uh, what a lot of people do is you know they'll use playlist supply, they'll find playlists that are quality, some of which might not have a contact, and then you can look up the user's name on social media on you know Facebook or on Instagram yeah. as a way to find someone that might have not put a contact information. And so we're looking at ways to kind of like, you know, make that process a little bit easier. And um, yeah, I think that's kind of up the same alley as like looking for a phone number, but I don't know, for whatever reason, people haven't been putting phone numbers so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. And sort of staying on, on this same topic though, any tips you can recommend or like kind of top software um, platforms that artists and manager, managers can use to ensure that their music will actually get through to the playlister. And let's say we're just talking about on emails. Yeah, a hundred percent. And so something I use a lot, even outside of playlist playlisting and playlist supply is GMAS. GMAS is a really cool software. It's kind of like MailChimp Premium Plus. It's like a, a more like advanced um, email automation software that kind of syncs up with Google. And I use it for everything. I use it to help automate responses for just regular emails with people. Um, I use it to help me just like stay organized. There's a lot of automation that it can do. And for playlist supply and outreach in particular, GMAS is really good at you know helping you keep a campaign organized, automating responses. Um, yeah, they even they even just included like some new some new um, like organizational tools. It's it, GMAS is definitely my recommendation of a software that if you're not using it, um, you should use it and have a more uh, back on like the point of like a tip, kind of like a um, one that everyone knows that I'll kind of get behind as well is, you know, if you're an artist and you're not putting your stuff out on TikTok, you know, get to it. That's that's a TikTok's an important platform right now. It's an important software. Learn to use it. It's more important than Instagram. Um, get on TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, even the label machine, I'm on TikTok now, um, you know, more so that I understand the platform because it's something I recommend for people to use. Um, but yeah, it's, it's here to stay. Um, and, uh, so just going back to GMAS as well, is that, a, is that, uh, the type of thing where you can have it connected to a Google spreadsheet and you could have their first name, email address. Um, you can then have like the name of their play, the name of their, um, their playlist, then a interesting song that they have on their playlist. And then you can write an email that says, hey, uh, Jared, um, I really like 
your playlist XYZ, in particular, how you've profiled the song and then the song name comes in there. It's really like my artist. So you can kind of then just hit go and it, and it will mess out everyone. Does it do stuff like that? Yes, 100%. That It definitely does that. And there's I've worked with um, a couple labels just onboarding with Playlist Supply and, and, you know, talking to them for feedback as they've used it. And that's a thousand percent a way to use Playlist Supply. There's people that use GMAS and Playlist Supply and you can kind of do a, a big campaign kind of canvassing many playlists. And so how you're how you're um, describing using GMAS is exactly how it can be used. And Playlist Supply works with that really well because also have an export feature and when you're running a search playlist you can then export all the results to a excel or a csv and there's even a, there's pdf whatever format is most compatible with like whatever email software you want to use and so those two sync up perfectly and there's definitely you know there's definitely big labels and big artists that are running campaigns with playlist supply doing exactly what you're describing because mm. you need to because you have to personalize it when you reach out to people right people can people can see yeah. That you're just doing a mass email but you can be smart and mass personalize i guess that's what it is isn't it you're mass personalizing stuff where you just you're batch you're batching up the personalization of those emails i don't think there's anything wrong with that you know it shows you you've still actually gone on and thought is this playlist relative to the music so i'm not wasting their time it just means saves you having to write out all these individual emails um yeah that's awesome man that's awesome uh i don't know about gms but i'm gonna look into that and uh, I'm already thinking I'm going to have to do like a special course for my members on how you use Playlist Supply and GMAS to uh, mass personalize your playlisting uh, marketing campaign. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. No, I'm and I'm I'm super on board to help with that. Um, my team would like love to help with like, you know. We, should we do, should thing we do we it together do and we can just share the training with everyone? I'm, I'm definitely interested in that. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely down to talk about that and plan it. That sounds really good to me. Our team also just like, we're always doing um, demos for people. If, if you reach out to Playlist Supply and you want to see how it works, um, Ryan on my team, he's our project manager. He'll personally do a screen share and run people through. And so, you know, for anyone who's listening to this that wants to give it a shot, just reach out to us and we'll sh- like, we'll do a video call and show you exactly how it works. And yeah, yeah I, I think that, um, you know, the GMAS method is tried and true. And I know that there's labels that are doing big campaigns using that method. But I also will say there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of value in, in, you know, fully kind of personalizing outreach. And, you know, some of these people, um, you know, obviously the GMAS campaigns work. Mail, mail outreach has worked for a long time. That's why people still do it. It never stopped working. That's why all of the, you know, all the companies that ever do anything when reaching out to you do it through email. And so it is definitely tried and true. But for a lot of artists that are smaller, I often suggest them trying to go the Instagram route and trying to be more personable because a lot of these relationships you build early on and with these curators, you know, this is someone who you could build a relationship with that, you know, they'll add your first song to the playlist, but they might also add your your first album. And a lot of these people, they didn't get a successful playlist by, you know, having bad taste in music. They have a good ear. These are people that are opinion leaders. They're normally the people in their friend group that are like putting everyone else on to the new music. And so, it, you know, for, for uh, artists that's just trying to get their numbers up and, and playlist en masse and get the algorithm going, GMAS might be the way. But for someone that's looking to kind of 
build their first hundred, build their first thousand fans, you know, it'll take, it takes two minutes in email to, you know, do a little digging, maybe find out, like find the song in that playlist that you could write a few sentences about. You could say, you know, this is one of my favorite songs and here's why. And I know you have a good taste in music. You might like my song, like, you know, try and take it a, a level deeper than just like this, put my song in your playlist. Thank you. You know what I mean? And so, um, no, I, yeah, I do I, agree. I, I do agree. I think they go, yeah. I, I think it depends on my audience. You know, like if I'm speaking to an individual artist, self-releasing their music, that is definitely what I'd say. If I'm speaking to a late, if I'm speaking to one of my label members who, you know, uh, uh, I, I guess a little bit more, they're doing bigger campaigns um, and they need to kind of go for those numbers. It's that kind of GMAS thing. Um, and, and tied in as well. Like you'd always encourage your artists to like reach out and, and create their own, relationships because you know if, if you think about the world like a, a global village if we were in a village you'd just be going up to those people at a bar or so or a party and be like oh yeah man like i love your music you're playing right now you should check mine out you know and and, and have that conversation with them and i think you just need to remember that that's essentially what we're doing on a global scale yeah exactly i really like that i really like the way you put it there with the the global village i think that's that's really good and you're you're also you're super spot on it depends also a lot on the market. Like, you know, there's some genres right now that are so saturated, no one cares if you Instagram DM them, but there's other genres where it literally is like a village. Like the genre is kind of small and niche and people just know each other. And so it's like, you're gonna have better results by being like, you know, just more personable. Um, and so, yeah, no, super good points. So I, I really like that village one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's something I'm really pushing with all my members as well this year is like, grow your network because it's the one thing I've seen all, you know, labels that do well, they network with other labels and they kind of all talk to each other. And, like, you know, even the labels I knew, like when we're in the scene and we're, we're like, we're kind of coming up in that first EDM wave in America and stuff, we all knew each other and like, we're all yarning about stuff and it was all kind of, and it was all really cool. And that, that really helped like the, you know, help the scene, but then also really helped us out as well. And you know, like I, I keep saying, build up your network, your professional network. So don't just always be thinking, oh, I've just got to grow my fan base. But like you've got to grow your industry contact base as well. Um, exactly. And, and the, yeah, and playlist, you know, playlisters are a very key part of that. Um, when what are, So I know we're talking about Spotify playlists. Is, do you guys just cover Spotify playlists or do you do YouTube channels or SoundCloud channels as well? So right now, playlist supply is um, is only for Spotify. Um, Apple doesn't really have like public playlisting as much. Amazon, all the streaming platforms are a little bit late to the playlisting thing, and Spotify is actively expanding on it. I don't know. There was an article that came out um, a couple weeks ago in TechCrunch um, that talked about how Spotify in the in the next few months is going to be taking curated like user curated playlists and making them official and so this will be a really interesting move because before there's been a lot of this um you know there's a lot of exclusivity around the spotify editorial playlist which you know no one has contact info for unless you know someone at spotify and you know they've had i i can't tell you how many stories about people getting fired and text messages getting sent and the whole editorial thing's kind of like a scheme but for most artists, the only people that can, you know, get you on are the people that accept those Spotify for artist submissions and you have to go the official route. But Spotify is going to kind of upend some of that by taking playlists that are u- user made playlists that are really popular 
and making some of them official Spotify playlists. And the curator will still be, you know, it won't be someone that works at Spotify anymore. And so this is just one. There's another thing they released recently. So released like Spotify called, verified playlists or something. Like yeah. Verify the playlist. Does the curator get some money for that or? It's really unclear. They literally, like, I read this article, I think it was like, like a week ago, maybe less, like April 12th or something. There's a couple articles out. Um, and it's, it's, I was like doing some digging on Reddit. It's like definitely been confirmed that this is going to happen. It's not just like skeptical. And it sounds like it's a, it's on a boat of um, a bunch of new updates to playlists that Spotify is doing. Like they also just did one where you can now share a playlist with someone. There can be two curators, two owners of a playlist. So if you and I wanted to have our own playlist, we could now have a joint playlist that we both own, both add songs to. Um, yeah, and there's this other one called Blends where we can actually merge, like it'll make an automatic playlist based on what you and me like, and we'll both be the owners of that playlist. And so it, they're planning on actively expanding on their on the playlisting world. And we don't really do YouTube. Uh, YouTube playlistings like is like very particular. Playlist Supply just focuses on Spotify. And, you know, I think with the way Spotify is going to be expanding playlisting, I want to keep it its own, its own tool. But we do have plans to release new software tools that kind of help you approach, you know, whether it be booking or whether it be YouTube, we have other ideas um, that, you know, we might expand the supply family. <laughs> yeah, I, I got you. That's really interesting about the collabing playlists together because... I mean, I, I also say to artists, you should start your own play, like playlist because it's super valuable and you can use that as a, a value, something of value you can add to somebody else when you want to collab with them or you want to get them to share your music or something. And that's going to like take it to a whole new level. That's, that's absolutely incredible. But yeah, and amazing. Amazing, I think it's cool. Hopefully yeah. there is some sort of kickback for the curators. Um, otherwise, I think they might get a bit of, people get a bit of a stink about it. Um, oh, yeah. Lord knows Spotify needs to cough up for everybody right now. Curator, <laughs> artist, I, you know, they should hook managers up too at this point. They've got so much money and they're giving artists pennies. They need a, they need, they need to yeah. blow it back. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are your thoughts on Submit Hub services? Do you think they still have a place? So I have definitely used Submit Hub in the past. It's definitely a great platform. The, the difference kind of between playlist supply and submit hub is just like the finite amount of uh, people you can reach out to. I've run submit hub campaigns where I spent a good amount of money and I got zero results. And that's like, that's never, uh, that's never a good feeling. Um, there was a point where I was working with kind of like some rap metal artists and the, there was just nowhere that represented the genre at all on submit hub. And that was actually around a similar time when I started Playlist Supply. Uh, and I was like, there needs to be a tool that represents all genres, not just the popular genres. Um, and, you know, it's, I think they have like a few hundred um, playlists in their network. And with Playlist Supply, like you could run search for anything and you're going to get more of a different platform with different goals. A lot of people use Submit Hub to get blog articles and to get press mm. coverage. Um, it's not, it's not nearly as geared towards playlisting. Um, and yeah, and I think, you know, I think that's, uh, me personally, I think press is great for, you know, having some validity and rapport, but press doesn't drive listeners anymore. Um, there's very few blogs that actually, you know, blogging kind of died. Journalism kind of died. 
Most of these blogs are payola. A lot of the submit hub blogs are payola. Um, and it's like, I don't need a, I don't need a blog post. That's not going to draw That's not going to get any new fans or any new listeners. And so I kind of outside of like official press and using a publicist, I kind of like gave up on self-service PR a long time ago. Um, but yeah, those, that's kind of like a little extra rant about. No, uh, no. Cause I was going to ask you blogs, are they still relevant? And I guess what you're saying is in yeah. traditional PR, yes, but not for, what did you call it? Self-serving PR. Not for getting new fans, not for like, not, they don't convert. I, I've, I've run campaigns with, um, I've run, I've run campaigns like doing marketing with uh, a major label artist who gets, you know, a placement on a blog that everyone knows the name of. And I can tell you like it converted to like 200 clicks onto the album. And it's like, that no it's what is what is it's a good look you can post it on your instagram it'll open doors the highbrow music industry people that are looking for approval from like some you know some trendsetter or this one writer at this one blog those people will be happy but in terms of you getting you know you selling out a show it's not going to make as much a difference in terms of you getting your first thousand listeners on spotify or on a streaming platform it's not going to happen from a blog post um yeah (laughs) No, I I, uh, I do agree. I like you said. I think it is for, um, yeah. You can share it on Instagram. It does show as well. Like when, you know, when you ask, uh, when you are trying to open up other doors, people are like, "Well, who out?" Like beyond you saying that you're awesome, is anybody else? And well, like here we, you know, these ten blog articles. They're like, okay, cool. Like you know, and so I guess so long as they're not just complete payola ones, it does offer a little bit of like you know more so than the person that doesn't have any blog mentions i guess um so um yeah which um which artists and labels uh do you have or currently work with um that uh, have done a campaign that you're particularly proud of that you're that you're working with um done a campaign with with playlist supply in particular i think you know i've there's so many people using the tool. Um, I have some good friends over at Create. I have friends over at Republic. A really good friend of mine who's a manager at Maverick uses Playlist Supply all the time. I have a few friends that are like A&Rs that use the tool at some pretty cool labels. Um, very early on, we ran some really successful, um, like some of the initial testing for Playlist Supply campaigns um, before it was like a public tool. I, we did a really cool uh, campaign with Matt Ox. Um, all of the clients that I have personally, Enumclaw has used Playlist Supply. Um, yeah, basically like everyone I can, I've tried to, I've tried to get them to do a campaign or at least get their manager to have an account. Um, you know, even if, if it, your team is someone that, you know, they might not be looking to do playlisting, I think being able to type in your artist's name and see all the playlists they might be on is also a really cool metric. And there's, there's kind of like other ways to use playlist supply that are really that's interesting. interesting. Um, but yeah, three of major record labels have someone who is using playlist supply at the label. I, I've just I've had conversations with people um, at Island, and I've I've most of my connections are the people I leveraged early on to kind of be the beta testers and be the pay, people to give me feedback. And so the first two three hundred people to use playlist supply were music industry people who kind of like, I was looking to get them to tell me how to make it better. 
that's how we got features like the playlist database directory feature and the one where it shows the analytics changing and um yeah but right now most of the people doing campaigns and using it are indie artists and um there's some really cool indie artists that have kind of like had like you know such successful campaigns that it's kind of been like a case study there was this one band called night talks that was really 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 using playlist supply all the time and they had amazing results um there was this band called wax charmer um and if you go on reddit and you just search playlist supply or you just google it you'll see you know in the comments of the youtube videos and on reddit and on a lot of these different social platforms there's people who have gone and kind of posted their own testimonial success story um and that's you know i've i've i like something like this is going to be successful for a you know for a big artist for a matt ox or for a, a you know a, a someone who everyone knows but um i really love hearing success stories about playlist supply being used for indie artists and people who you know they don't have a budget and they don't have a team that's going to do it for them they're just you know they had 20 bucks and they're like where's my 20 bucks best spent this month and it's on playlist supply to do playlist outreach and that's another thing um a lot of these services um, they'll have a minimum of 500 or they'll have like a minimum um, of this amount. There's, and you know, like Submit Hub, there's no guarantees. You could spend a bunch of money and get nothing. And something I tell people a lot, especially indie artists is, you know, $20 and one month of playlist supply, you could export unlimited results. You could do a hundred searches. You could work really hard. You could save a whole spreadsheet of playlists and then you could unsubscribe for month two. And you paid $20 and you got a year's worth of playlists to do outreach to. And so, you know, I think, I think that alone has more value than, you know, throwing $20 mm. towards coins, which may or may not get a response even. And so, um, yeah, those playlists could be people you outreach to get more listeners. They could be people you, you look in the playlists and you see what other artists are like that I'm looking into, who else is up and coming. There's infinite data within you know, this within playlist supply, even just outside of reaching out to curators. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm often telling people just try it for a month, download all the results you need. And yeah, compare that to, to anything like $20 on Facebook ads won't get you anything. You know what I mean? No, I, I mean, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, and you've also had the approval from Adam Ivy as well, I see, which is awesome. Yeah, Adam Ivy, he really kind of supported the tool just off the strength. He's been doing the indie artist uh, kind of guidance thing for a long time. And um, we connected like over Instagram DM and, you know, he's someone, he, it, the, he, he just took off with it. He was like, I'm going to show everyone playlist supply. And um, yeah, that he was probably our, he's probably our biggest social media supporter yet. Like, no, I don't think anyone is like publicly made a video, but uh, yeah, Adam Ivy and he's, yeah, Adam Ivy's just an awesome guy too. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, he's he's got a big following. Um, just going back as well, I, I I just talking about the other ways you can use playlist supply, which occurred to me, which is incredible, is you can search for yourself as an artist. You're going to see all the playlists you're in. Then you can get the details and then tell them all. Hey, by the way, I've got a new track out, and of course, like that's going to be like the most you know highly engaged audience, you know, because. They've obviously already put your music in there. Like, I mean, you should just use it for that one function, if anything. Exactly. And that's a great example of like, you know, thinking about outside of the box ways to use it. And I've, I've, I've had friends who use it 
to find new artists. Like they'll type in an artist who they're looking at signing and they'll see what other artists are in the same place as this artist. And normally, you know, say you're someone who was first to this new artist and you made the playlist about them and you're just a listener, you might put another artist in your playlist that that no one else has heard of that, you know, is really good, that should get signed next. And so I've seen I've seen crazy stuff. I've seen people use playlist supply in all kinds of ways outside of the the typical. And it's it's just kind of like a, it's just like a software tool. It's just like a productivity software tool. That just like, you know, it's just a resource that artists should have available. And, you know, I was like, at first I was like, I need this resource, but now it's like anyone can get it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so, um, talk, I guess, and, and, and this can be about any kind of, and in fact, actually we'll, we'll do a, this question can be not just for playlisting, um, but because, you know, you are a music artist um, and, you know, you've, you wear many hats in the music industry. Um, what rookie mistakes or common problems do you see over and over again that new or early career artists make? Um, I think there's a there's definitely a, a lot of them. Um, <laughs> one is just like the, you got to you got to have consistency and quality and you can't let one of them fall behind in order for the other. You know what I mean? Um, and so, yeah, I think that, and that comes across, that's like, you want consistent and quality music, consistent and quality content that you're posting for visuals. Um, you want consistent and quality people that you're surrounded with that aren't going to, you know, give you bad advice or drag you down or, um, and yeah, and it's, it's also kind of looking at, at trying to look at everything as an opportunity. I can't tell you how many times, um, I've seen an artist kind of like squander an opportunity because, you know, they didn't really see it as like beneficial to their career, but they weren't seeing like, okay, how could this lead to a, a better relationship? How could this lead to, you know, a, a, a placement here? Um, and so, yeah, I think those are the two. And I think being open to, to new ideas, uh, a lot of people were kind of anti-TikTok when it first came out. Um, and now, you know, artists are getting signed directly off TikTok. There's an artist who might have a viral song on TikTok and he gets a million dollar record deal the next day. And then, you know, you can't be the artist that's like, well, I'm, I don't like it. <laughs> it's like, oh. Well, I mean, if you, and also if you're on Instagram and using Reels, well, yeah. you should just use TikTok. Like, you should do both. Or, and it's, it's like, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's I, I think that there's, there's uh, you know, obviously for some people, you know, it might not, it might not be right, but there's just like certain things that increase your chances of getting heard, that increase your chances of, you know, people finding out about you. And, you know, like this, the TikTok algorithm won't be as hot as it is now forever. You know what I mean? And there will be a point where there's the next thing, the next Instagram or the next TikTok. And if you're someone that at the beginning is like, wait, I've been waiting for this opportunity. I'm going to be the I'm going to get my username and I'm going to be the first person posting this genre on the platform. And if you jump on that, it's it, you know, you're going to be leagues ahead of the people that were like, well, I'm going to wait till everyone else is doing it or I don't like I don't like doing videos of myself. And it's a. Uh, it's really interesting. Music, I'd say in the last 20 years or so, it used to be of some, you know, 50-50 or 60-40 music, good music and marketing, but it might be more marketing in 2022. It might be like 70% marketing and then the rest good music. There's no shortage of good music. It's just, is it, are you going to find it or not? You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, artists are able to, uh, to you know, blow up um, just from, you know, a funny TikTok video, whereas before you needed to do so, you needed to do so much else before you were in that record label office getting that deal. You know what I mean? And so mm. it's a, it's a crazy world. Yeah. It's a, 
nice. Yeah. I think as you know, an artist and an entertainer, you you had to craft and and you had to go into expensive studios 20, 30 years ago to get whatever that personality is to connect with an audience. Whereas you don't have to do that now because if you, you know, if you have a personality, TikTok will allow you to connect with your audience. And and then writing music as well is obviously, you know, like the 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 art of recording music is so much cheaper and easier with you know computers and sound cards and technology and stuff. So I, you know, I don't think it's a bad thing. It's just shifted because technology is, it has allowed it to. But ultimately, the end result is you're connecting with fans that like you, who you are as a personality and your music. And that's the important thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I've got, I, I ask everybody this question. So drawing on your music experience um, on music releases, how would you run a typical single release today that has a six week lead time? Um, that's a great question. And I think it's, it's just, you know, plan in advance. If you have a six week lead time, make sure, you know, lo release dates locked in, DSP stuff is locked in, you know, when it's going to come out, you know, that it's getting all of the, you know, you're, you're getting it in early enough to get your to pitch to Spotify editorial. Um, you're getting it in early enough to reach out to a few blogs and do some official press. Um, you're getting it early enough to maybe share the song with some playlists early via a, a SoundCloud link or a private link to maybe have a playlist, you know, have a playlist campaign locked in for the week of release. That's something that's really cool that you can do with Playlist Supply. Um, if you get, you know, say you reach out before it comes out, you could have them add it the day it comes out. And that increases your algorithmic playlisting. You're going to show up in more fans um, weekly mix and more fans Monday mix because Spotify algorithm says, oh, this song just came out. It got added to five playlists. It must be good. We're going to add it to more people's algorithmic playlists. Um, and so, yeah, I would just basically make sure you have all your bases covered. I don't like, I'm someone who doesn't, I don't think you should post social media about a new release six weeks in advance. But, you know, have some good content for the week before. Have some good content for two weeks before. Um, and, yeah, just kind of make sure you're hitting all platforms. Um, something that people often forget about is they might have a mailing list somewhere. If you have a website or you had some sort of sign up, you know, get, have that mailing list go out as well. Send everyone your new song when it comes out. Um, and for newer artists, something I'll, I'll lay in on is, um, you know, you can put stuff out. You can post on social media. But there really is no... Um, there's nothing comparable to you like texting a friend and being like, hey, I just released this song. Can you give it a listen? Let me know what you think. Comments on like my Instagram post. And, you know, you could everyone knows 10 people that they could get to immediately support them. And sometimes that that initial 10 is, you know, those 10 comments on Instagram, those 10 reposts on SoundCloud. Um, that stuff that stuff does make a difference early on. And so. A lot of artists will they'll put it on their Instagram and they'll put it on all their social media and they'll they'll do the release right. But you know they uh, you know, they didn't tell their sister about it. <laughs> yeah, they didn't text their best friend to check it out. And it's like everyone knows uh, you know everyone knows 10, 20 people that you could immediately get feedback from and you could immediately hear what they think of it. And you know it, that, that I think that's a that's a really important one too is to is to kind of start small and branch out. You know you're not gonna you're not gonna post on Instagram and, and blow up overnight, even though it does happen with TikTok. Um, sometimes that that first TikTok post needed the first 10 likes before the algorithm took off and then you got seen by that 100K or whatever. Um, yeah. 
No, I, I agree. You, sh you shouldn't be embarrassed to reach out to your close network of people to support what you're doing because they're the ones that will 100% support you, you know, because exactly. they're in your close network. Exactly. Um, with, um, with record sales, where are you finding royalties are coming from um, across the major platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, Tidal, et cetera? Where, where do you think it's weighted at the moment in 2022? I mean... I know, um, I know Apple and Tidal pay the best, but they're just not the most used platforms. Tidal's done some really cool stuff to kind of expand, um, to kind of expand their platform. I was like talking to their team not too long ago and they're releasing a new thing right now where artists can kind of like directly pay out from Tidal. Um, and there's like a, there's like, and that's like a really interesting thing. Um, I think they can pay, I think Tidal may have purchased Cash App. I think it could have been. Um, and you can now pay out via Cash App um, if you're wow. like an approved artist or you're an artist that like is in contact with their team. They have some sort of kind of verification process that enables that. Um, but I think, you know, honestly, the the my management clients right now aren't getting a ton of plays on Tidal. The best money comes from Apple Music and then the most plays comes from Spotify. Um, but with Apple Music closely behind, I think Amazon and Tidal at least for the genres and people I'm working with are just a little bit less significant, but you know, they're all, they're all paying pennies. Streaming is not a, uh, streaming is not a consistent form of income for an artist that isn't kind of doing, you know, if that isn't doing big numbers. Um, most of the revenue comes from touring and from merch sales. Um, and so, yeah. Mm. I, it's what I said, everybody, what you got to think about is streaming now is your top of funnel. It's just discovery platform that if you do get a lot of followers, there is some money made off the back of it. You know, it's, it's at least you're not like it, it's completely, um, there is no value to it, but it should definitely just be treated. Yeah. As another, as another metric in that respect, um, across social media, um, just speaking about like what gets the best responses, where are you finding in 2022 with the clients you're working with, um, that they're getting the most, uh, interaction from fans from across YouTube, SoundCloud, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Yeah. Um, so I, aside from um, Playlist Supply, I do a lot of marketing and kind of marketing consulting for bigger management teams and labels. And I think, I think TikTok right now, I've said it before, I think TikTok is like probably the most like the algorithm is the most beneficial to new posts and, and users putting out content consistently. Instagram, um, especially after iOS 14, um, the, the ads platform has just been like significantly kind of like brought down. It's a lot harder to use, a lot harder to get the results people were getting a year ago. Um, and even just outside of, of promoted posts and stuff, posting on Instagram, it's like if you just post and you don't promote the post, you're not reaching your, you're not reaching your 10 K followers. You're not, you're just reaching a percentage of them. Um, and they've kind of locked up that full reach unless to encourage people to use the ad platform, um, which, you know, TikTok hasn't done yet. They very well could in the future, but there's still people who like make their very first posts on TikTok and get a hundred K overnight. That doesn't happen anymore on Instagram. The, the algorithm is just a little bit dead. Um, and I don't know, it's, the, the, the botting on Instagram is out of hand. I don't know if you've seen underneath any celebrity post um, recently or anyone that has a significant following, there's just like a million bots posting like the same messages and the same emojis. And 
Um, the platform is def like Instagram's like, it's kind of like, in my opinion, it's become more of a portfolio platform and less of like a place where you can actively get discovered and, and find new fans and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I've, I've honestly had a lot of, uh, I've had better results finding new music and, and even doing marketing on Reddit um, than I have on Instagram as of recent, but nothing, nothing beats TikTok. TikTok definitely the, the top, the top one to focus on right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's what everybody's saying at the moment. Um, have you used, um, speaking of TikTok, have you used it for an influencer marketing? Have you used it for playlist supply or with any of your clients before? Um, yeah, definitely. I've used it for a lot of clients. The influencer marketing thing was like really big when TikTok first started to become like the buzz. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think it's, it's, it can be successful, but it's, it's one of those things that's so dependent on genre. It's so dependent on the type of music. It's dependent on the market. There's certain genres where, you know, the market is not receptive to influencer marketing at all. If you're working with like some genre that's like punk or like lateral to punk, they don't want to be told what to listen to. So they're not, you know, it just won't work. Um, if you're working with like a Jack Harlow or someone that's a very mainstream kind of more pop artist, the influencer campaigns work really well. If you're, you know, you see your, your favorite influencer on TikTok or on Twitter, you know, post the Jack Harlow song or say that Jack Harlow's cute, you're going to think so too. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, it totally depends on the market. Um, I think the scale is a, is a big issue. Like uh, a lot of the small marketing, I don't think it's worth it, like cost per conversion. But if you're like a major label and you can afford to have uh, Kim Kardashian post on her story, you're going to get clicks like that. Get It's going to get clicks. Um, it, and it's yeah, I've, I've seen really clever influencer camp campaigns run um, by labels that were that went perfectly. And then I've seen ones that it was just a waste of money. Um, and so I think it, it totally depends on what kind of on what kind of campaign you're working, what kind of music it is. There's like a lot of factors and it, some of it even comes down to like the strategy of how you're doing it. Like I've seen like I've seen a, a, a influencer campaign run by a label where the copy was just terrible. Like the person's like stream this person's new single right now versus like them kind of finding a subtle way to work it in. Like the influencers, like, I, you know what I mean? Doing and the so vacuuming and it's like yeah. in the background or something. Exactly. And, and that's, you know, you gotta, you gotta with, with influencer marketing, with any marketing, um, even with outreaching to playlist people on playlist supply, you gotta think from the listener perspective. Um, yeah, you can't just think from the marketing perspective because you'll you'll waste money or you'll lose people, and yeah. <laughs> I uh, it's funny. I was, I saw a, a video on TikTok the other day, and it was a guy talking on a panel, like a marketing conference panel, and he said the statistics show that seventy percent of marketers, people that work in a marketing, come from like an affluent, educated background that actually really only represents 30% of society. And he goes, you're thinking, you're thinking what it, like that everybody thinks like you do and with the way you're brought up and, and your values and everything. And he goes, but that isn't representative of what actually society is. And you need to, you know, think about that and you need to think about your audience and not from the marketing, like exactly what you're saying. But he kind of, you know, like he was explaining like the kind of stats and numbers. And I was like, that's such a good point. Like, you know, um, yeah, to, to always bear in mind and, and when you're doing your marketing. Um, so yeah, for that same 
then stuff can backfire too if you don't think it through. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But sorry, continue. No, 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 no. I, I, I agree. Um, so um, just look at the time. So I've, I've got a question. What is the future for you and playlist supply? Is there anything on the horizon we should be looking out for? So we just released playlist supply, just released our biggest update yet, which was that playlist directory feature. The one I explained where you can save results. We've got a new update coming. We're, we're planning on launching it next week. I'm, I'm hoping it comes around like Friday next week. And this new update is going to be, it's just like an overall speed improvement. Like the tool is just going to be lightning fast. We've gone ahead and done a lot of upgrades on the back end that make it really quick. And we've also like kind of upgraded our, our search algorithms and these new complex, better algorithms are going to just deliver better results, more playlists. It's more sensitive to niche and genre keywords. And it's, it's, we're just going to keep expanding it. Um, the plan with playlist supply is to just keep adding features. Uh, we get a ton of feedback. And so if anyone tries playlist supply and they want to, you know, think of a way it could be better. I'm actively always looking for critique. I'm actively always looking for feedback. Um, and yeah, and in terms of my personal, I'm planning on, you know, I, I've been doing music management for, you know, six, seven years now, um, along with the creative direction and playlist supplies kind of, you know, I'm not a tech oriented person. I'm, I come from the music kind of business side, but I'm planning on laying in a bit more on tech. I think there's a lot of big implications for the uses of technology within music. I think there needs to be more automation. There needs to be more software that is accessible to indie artists, to indie managers. Right now, I like all the major record labels, they've got bots, they've got spiders. They have the budget to have a development team that can you know, follow your favorite A&R and see exactly when he follows a new artist and it pops up in an email. They've got the tech for that, but the indie artists need the same tech. The indie artists need more software solutions. And so, yeah, look out for you know more software solutions from Playlist Supply and our team, um, you know, I, I'm I'm working with this artist right now, Sun Amari, totally totally developing act. Most people haven't heard of him. He's just putting out his first songs. Go check out Sun Amari because this time next year he's gonna be huge. And that's that's you know that's on on my management tip. I'm nice. trying to I'm trying to take the artists that are my clients to be the biggest artists in the world. Um, and you know some maybe some technology will help me do that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Just a son, son of Maori. How do you spell it? it Sun Amari. S U N a-M-A-R-R-I, two words. His, his name is Sun, um, and his last name is Amari, A-M-A-R-R-I. And he's this really cool R&B kind of singer, songwriter, producer, and he's, he's just like, like, I don't know, like when I found his music, nothing had kind of spoken to me the way his music did since I heard the first Party Next Door tape. And Party Next Door is just like R&B, underground, like legend. And I think I think Sun is the next, the next one. Oh, you heard it here, not necessarily first, but you did hear it early on. <laughs> Sun Amari, yeah, man, I'll go, I'll go check it out. And uh, and where can we where can we find you? What, what what's the playlist supplies email address and and where's it yeah. to find you on socials? So you can reach out to us um, contact at playlistsupply.com. You can also you know at playlist supply on Instagram at playlist supply on Twitter. We've, our team is super responsive. Our team is like composed of, uh, you know, my partner's a booking agent, my project manager's a producer and an artist manager as well. And so we're actively like, if you shoot us a DM, we're gonna respond. But 
we're at Playlist Supply on all social media. Awesome. Um, Benji, thank you so much for taking the time out um, for being here. It was super insightful. Uh, and, you know, I knew it was a cool platform, but after speaking with you in depth about it, I realized what how amazing it is and why people like Adam Ivey are just championing it. So uh, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you.